Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Walls Season 2, Episode 1. My name is James Scully. If this is your first time listening to Breaking Walls, I want to welcome you to the community. If you're a return listener, I want to say that today is a very special day in the history of the Wall Breakers because today is the day, February 2nd, 2015, that thewallbreakers.com has relaunched. So please, if you have a minute or five or ten, go to thewallbreakers.com. Poke around the new community. Our motto is tools for a breakthrough career, and that's what we hope to help you do. And along those lines, we bring you this podcast, which is always centered around the helpful topic. Now, our monthly topic on the Wallbreakers this month, because this month is Valentine's Day, is vulnerability. So what we've done is taken a topic like Valentine's Day, gotten to the core of it, which somebody might say is love, but within love, it's vulnerability, because you can't be in love with anything in the world if you're not willing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. And today's interview is with Chelsea Bonoski, who is a dancer, an actress, and a theater performer who most recently performed six different parts for the interactive theater experience in New York City known as Sleep No More. So a couple of changes to the podcast format. No longer will we be producing these podcasts in a season format per se. Instead, we're going to do two podcasts a month. One of those podcasts will be the audio version of the mentor interview for each month, and that will happen on the first of the month or the first Monday of the month. So if you want to go watch the video to this audio interview, you can do so on thewallbreakers.com right now. And then in the middle of the month, we're going to have an interview with a peer like we did in season one, which will be centered around a helpful topic. So I'm not going to take up too much time here because I want to jump right into the interview that Lena and I conducted with Chelsea. But I want to say once again, if you want to watch this interview, you can do so on thewallbreakers.com. And if you are listening on SoundCloud right now, you can subscribe to The Wallbreakers on iTunes by searching for The Wallbreakers. And if you are listening on iTunes right now, you can listen to us on soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. Coming right up, we have the interview with Chelsea. So stay tuned and welcome to the new Wallbreakers. Welcome to the first edition of our Mentor Interview Series. My name is James Scully. And I'm Lena Gonzalez. And today, on our first wall-breaking mentor interview, we have the wonderfully talented Chelsea Bonoski, who has performed six different roles for the interactive theater experience, Sleep No More. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) What I want to ask you first is, now you do dance and you do theater, correct? What are some of your earliest memories that got you attracted to these mediums in the first place? You know, be it TV shows, be it something you saw as a little kid. Take me back to, like, where is the inception of that? Um, So I'd love to say that there was some, like, magical moment of, like, I need to do this, but there's not. (laughs) Um, When I was really little, I was really shy. Like, I would cling on to my mom's leg, like, anywhere she would walk, and I was just like, take me with you, take me with you. Um, and so she put me in every activity she could find, like theater camp, gymnastics, painting, dance lessons. Nothing stuck but dance. Interesting. Oh. And then when I got to around like 9, 10, yeah, I was still going with dance. And she was kind of like, you know, if this is something that you really want to do and it seems like it's something that you really want to do, let's make that choice. 
and at around 9, 10, I went to a ballet training school. Okay. And from then on, it was just like normal childhood life in the morning to the afternoon and then like career path at night from 10 till I graduated. So how, wow. how many hours a day are you dancing at this point? At this point, when I'm a child? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Oh. Upstate. Hey. But <laughs> we had, um, like, kindergarten time. So we'd start school at, like, 7.50, and we'd get done at, like, 2.50. Um, so I'd be there uh, around that time to learn on, like, yeah, the afternoon. Um, and then class would start at either 4 or 5. So I'd go right from high school to there. And then class would go till about 7, then we'd rehearse till around 10.30 or 11. That was Monday through Friday. Saturdays, we'd be there from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., same with Sundays. And then as you moved up in the different levels of dance at the training school, it was, you would get, like, one day off. Um, wow. Uh, but that one day off slowly turned into, like, a day of rehearsals, especially right, around yeah. performance times. Yeah. Um, and then in between there, we'd come to New York a lot to perform, and compete and then go back so it was just well it shows you that balance. if you really want to do something seriously you have to do it like repeat it over and over and over again yes. so you have that confidence that you know you can do it yeah for sure why do you remember if you do why were you shy when you were young what, what was it about the world that was frightening to you as a little kid well I, I have an older brother okay and he, he always involved me in everything that he was doing, which is amazing. An older brother and a little sister. Um, but I think I also fell definitely into that, well, like, my older brother will do it. And my older brother will say it, you know. And I can just, like, <clears throat> chuck along, like, do it. But I don't really have to make a presence for myself. I don't really have to do anything earth-shattering. I can just be. Um, and I think that worked for a while. Right. And then my mom kind of saw what was going on. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like, she's got to be her own person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important skill to learn at a young age because there's no guarantee no. that you'll ever figure that out. No, and there's no guarantee age. that, like, dance would have been the one I stuck with. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. right that's right. why you got to try things. Yeah. Yeah. And because it was, it was such an intense training school, you know, you'd come home, like, exhausted. You'd mm -hmm. get home at, like, 1130 at night as like, you know, a 12 year old and you have to do your homework and then get up and go back to school in the morning. And I remember my mom constantly being like, if you are not happy, you can quit. Wow. If you do not like this, you can stop. Yeah. Like, so just, yeah, and yeah. it's just like, no, I love it. I like it. Like, wow. let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. You know? So what about dance really like drew you in and, and kind of like made you, or you felt so drawn to it that you wanted to commit? Um, I think going back to when I was little and just not having to like say anything or do anything mm -hmm. to really like make a presence and going into that space, it wasn't a verbal communication, but I was still communicating something. Ah, yeah. and to, and yeah. to me that was less vulnerable. Right. Um, because people can totally cut you down with your words. Right. Um, right. but if I'm using my body, if someone's teaching me how to use my body in a certain way, mm -hmm. to do that move or that stuff and you know it has to look that way yeah, yeah it has yeah. to go that way right like you might fail along the way but when you get there you know that it's right yeah yeah whereas if you put yourself out there with language like you can stumble in yeah right so it felt safer for me to go into the studio and be myself in terms mm -hmm. of movement and then as I got older it was like oh well I can go in and be somebody else 
Gotcha. You know, like I get this role and I get to be that that role is probably like in me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I'm not gonna use it right necessarily, but it's a space and a tool to be able to be that person without failure. Wow, that's really powerful. So yeah. <laughs> it's almost in a way like getting to wear a mask. So you you're losing your vulnerability that you might have as Chelsea because you're now someone else when you're there. So and it, do you think that it translates so that when you get off the stage, the accomplishments that you have on the stage then do they, you know, make their way back into everyday life? Does it does it boost your confidence up in general if you're walking down the street because you're able to do this? It's weird because I would say no. Okay. I would say that it's easier for me to like go be someone and then come off stage and leave mm-hmm. it. Um, as I've gotten older, what I've gotten involved in more in terms of like theater, dance, and production, it's more clear to see that the roles that I tend to get or put myself into, they are in me somewhere. And so mm-hmm. I'm putting those emotions that are inside of me into that role. And when I leave, I'm just completely exhausted. That makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and other people might say like, oh, well, you're just as confident there on stage as you are in this part of your life and this part of, the, and this part of your life. But I, I don't see it that way. Wow. Um, yeah. I see it as a total disconnect. Maybe it's easier for me to look at it that way. Um, yeah. Cool. Do you worry about becoming the part then? Is that why perhaps you disconnect? Like you say, these parts are in you, and you play six parts yeah. and sleep no more. Yeah. Uh, let's say the bald witch. Right. Is that that's inside of you somewhere? Right. Do you worry that it won't? You won't be able to put it back in if you take it out. And <laughs> keep there, it out. That's there really are times. Yeah, there are times like when I would be swinging the show that someone would be injured for a very long time. Like I've had to do even sexy witch for like a few months when someone got a concussion, and. It's weird when you overthink the part, um, like when you think you have to make it what it should be or what Mm -hmm. the other person before you who played it was, like that's when it just isn't authentic at all. It's not as organic. No, when you don't think about it and you start doing it and you're in the show and you realize that like this is me, like yeah, yeah. yeah. whoever gave me this role was like that's in her, right? Yeah. And after doing something like that for like two months like straight like every single day, there are times where I would be like, you know, it's just like so much me all the time, 24-7. Yeah. Um, but the good part of me is swing was that every once in a while you'd have that like, oh, well, can you go in and do this? And it was like, ah, oh, if I start something new. Something cool, different. yeah, yeah. Um, and then the company I work with now, it's much more dance theater, collab- like a collaboration. So whatever we choose to do, I'm very much in it from the beginning, knowing how much I want to put in. Of myself right and I've realized that post any show whether I'm a role or a specific character or just movement for movement's sake it does take a lot out of you and I need like some time right exactly. so after the show's over like me time. you time yeah so so uh, I'm just curious um, what is what is why does it take so much out of you do you is there like a process that you get into to dive into that character and put yourself in the headspace or what does that look like Ooh. Um, <laughs> well so for the show for sleep no more like those roles are carefully crafted characters like mm-hmm. they are you know when i got hired it was like you need to watch this film you need to read this book like this is how the character was developed 
And not only did I learn the history of how the character was developed, some rehearsals would be pure movement rehearsals, and some we would just be sitting and the director would be like, okay, so now you know how we craft the character. Who is it for you? How does she walk? What does she look like when she wakes up in the morning? Gotcha. Who does she talk to? Who does she not talk to? Like, does she button that top button of her dress or does she not? Why doesn't she? Like, huh. making that person you. Right. Yeah. It's like melding it seamlessly. Right. So when you go in and you're about to perform, like, yeah, you have to warm your body up. You have to be ready physically. But going, in, going into it emotionally, you have to get in a whole different headspace. Like, who is this person? Tapping into that part of you that's in there as well as, like, what's been developed. Right. Um, with Atabaric, the company I'm with now, um, like, we're working on creation based on Rappuccini's Daughter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And we're kind of mixing that along with the original Sin. So it's a pretty heavy tale. Um, and going into rehearsal every day, it's kind of easy. It's like, be physically ready, let's make this work, let's create this, let's develop this. But when you start getting closer to the performance time, it's like, okay, you know, oh yeah, like you have to be physically prepared, mentally prepared, and emotionally prepared to be drained at the end of 45 minutes of pure dancing and storytelling, like, and if you don't put it all in, you can feel it, and you can also feel the audience feel it. The audience feels it too? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that answered your question. Yes, it did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting uh, point that you made indirectly. when we talk about vulnerability and having no fear of it, or losing the fear of it enough to go out and accomplish the tasks that you do, I think it's true that if you don't leave everything on the table, if you don't empty the toolkit, you know you've held back, so you didn't actually accomplish that because you know in your set, like you said, when, when you get it right, you know it, and it feels mm-hmm. great, and the elation from that comes mm-hmm. because you've left nothing on the table in yeah. the end. Yeah, and there's there's even moments where you get so lost in it, and then you might come off stage, and you know you might finish the show at the theater, and you're like, damn, that sucked, man. Oh. Like I was so not in it. Like I was just like there, but I wasn't there. And then you hear people talk about it, and they were so moved by it, and you're like, oh, you know, like I got totally just like in some sort of like like, bubble, kind of, Mm -hmm. of this piece, then you kind of, like, transcend what's going on. And those are the best performances for me. When I feel like I didn't give my best, but it it wasn't because I wasn't trying, because it's what I love to do, it's what I'm meant to do, it's what I'm supposed to do. And when I get in that zone, I just go there. Without Without even thinking, I'm putting it all out there, I am. And people are more impacted by it than when I'm like, I need to make this something. I need to right, make this right. I need to give them all. Like I just, yeah. and you know, it's the same for life. Like when you try to make something work, when you're supposed to make something happen, when you should do something, that's when it right. It doesn't work when it's so strictly choreographed. Yeah. 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 Ver- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Versus just like going with the flow and and just going with what you feel is is true to you in that moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. <laughs> well, you want to ask her about interacting with the audience at Sleep No More? Uh, yeah. So so I think like Sleep No More is just like incredible, and I and 
every time I go there, I feel like I'm traveling into like another realm of reality. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I'm in there, I think I actually think about the performers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I already asked you just like what I think about sometimes is just like what what like headspace you're in. Like, what is your body feeling when you're, like, that character and that persona? Um, just because when I come into contact with, like, the dancers, it's just, like... It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, um... I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting beast. Yeah. The show and the space. Um, and it's... Uh, as much as you want to get into it emotionally and just like invest yourself completely how we were saying like complete vulnerability right you also have to be extremely intellectual because you might be like pouring your heart out you know mm -hmm. like it might be a small space but you yeah. might be like dancing your heart out and you yeah. know like where there's a bed and the couch and the right, table and right. the chair you're aware of those things yeah you're pouring your heart out pouring your heart out but you're not aware of the person that might walk through that door. Right. Or might not notice you and might just walk right through your scene. Yeah. Um, you know, and you just have to be aware of that and you have to move around it and have it not phase you at all. Yeah. That's such a great life skill. That is a great life skill. It's just... And there's times where you feel like I'm completely invisible. Like I'm pouring my heart out and you would much rather look at that book in that corner than watch me like give you everything. And then I'm like, but this is not for me. Yeah. Like, you're here for you. And, like, I'm living my life right here, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm about to leave the room. Mm -hmm. And you could stay here as long as you want. You could stay here for three hours and look at that book. You know, or you could choose to follow me. But it doesn't take anything away from me at all. And that comes with being you. You know, mm -hmm. like, when you are trying to be something you're not, mm -hmm. then you're worried about what that person might think. But mm -hmm. because you're just, you're living your passion... Whether there's a hundred people, one people, a million people cheering you on, you're cheering you on, and that's what like matters most. Yeah, and, and yeah. I want that one person to have an amazing experience. Yeah. Whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Like, when I first started, I was doing the nurse up on the fifth floor in the hospital, and it can be kind of quiet up there sometimes. It's sometimes a little desolate up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there were times where I was like, ugh. There's no up here. Like, is that because people stuff. just don't make, make their way? They don't make so their way. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's not that much like action that goes on in the fifth floor. It's much more about the dynamics of the space. Um, and I, when I first started, I was like, there's no one up here. Like, I don't want to do this solo. Right. I want like, so many people to be here and watch me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one night, and there was just this one person standing in the autopsy room. And I was just like, I'm going to do this just for you. And I did the whole solo on this autopsy table just for this one person. And it was just, I obviously don't know what that person felt, but for me it was just like, like this wave of like, Relief. it's not about you. Yeah. Like this is not about you at all. Yeah. Like you're involved in an art form that can't be contained. That's the point of this. You, you can't, even if you tape something, it's not the same as like seeing it like live, you know what I mean? This moment is gone in two seconds. That dance is over in two seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's about that moment with that person in that space. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And of course I'm in the show like, oh my God, this is happening. And this person <laughs> this and this person, Yeah, and this person is probably like looking at a piece of chalk. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. I wouldn't be so sure though. 
because your energy would be so transformative, it would be like intoxicating to that person in the room. Like you're giving this person a one-on-one -on -one show like that. There's no way that they wouldn't feel the allure pulling them in of your performance there. So I wouldn't sell, I wouldn't sell myself <laughs> short on that. You, you forget that, you know, like we do nine shows a week. So sometimes it becomes so normal to you that you forget sometimes, even when you have one-on-ones, like when you bring someone in a room and, you know, your character has a one-on-one -on -one with just an audience member, you forget that, like, I don't know this person. You know, like, we've never met. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to, like, share something with you that's, like, really intimate and really special. And sometimes it becomes just so, like, and then I do this, and then I do that, and then we yeah. do this, and then we do that, that you forget that, like, it, this, is, this might be, like, normal to you, but it's making an impact in someone's life in mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and for the first time in my life, being able to say that like art does impact lives and have it like actually be in front of my eyes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. You know, like you say that all the time, like art changes lives. Yeah. Like, this is what but I seeing do. it occur in real time. It's surreal. Yeah. Oh. And then just be like, that's right. Like art does change lives. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I've been very blessed to be a part of the show. Cool. So, um, do you have, so talk to us about any exciting upcoming projects that you might have. Alright, so, let's see. At the end of February, I'm performing with Adam Barrick. We're doing, I think I mentioned earlier, it's a take on Rappuccini's daughter in the original sin. It's called Belladonna. And it's a 45 minute long evening length, just him and I. We have props, they're very cool. We have like a hydroponic fish tank that I start in. Um, I saw I saw a trailer of it and yeah. I'm like so excited. Yeah, it's it's fun. It was funny when I left Sleep No More, my mom was like, well it's good now Chelsea, you know, like it was a Do heavy more show. Lighthearted stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, well, mm, <laughs> in this next show, people still die. Um, so that'll be at the 92nd Street Y at the end of February. And then in March with the company, we're going to be in Chicago for the whole month. Um, setting a commission on a company out there, River North. And then in April, we'll be in Santa Barbara for about five to six days performing Belladonna. April, May, June, and July, we'll be in New York setting a piece on Larry Kegwin. Um, and that will be upstate as well as in Colorado. And then we'll be in Philadelphia with Ballet X for their summer program. And then in September, um, Adam, the director of the company, got clearance from Stephen Sondheim himself to reset Sweeney Todd as a dance musical. What? Yeah, so we have... That's awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> we have a month in a theater in Santa Barbara, 40 hours a week in a the theater, enough money to facilitate flying and paying like five other dancers out to California for a whole month and uh, resetting essentially like the first act of Sweeney Todd and then bringing it back to New York with like hopes that it becomes yes something with more yeah hands. oh my gosh that so that's so, kind so of like exciting. the rough plan yeah for the year um yeah you know in between there like making money where you can because there's always ways to make money um but you know there won't always be these opportunities, these opportunities. Yeah. talk to me then about what it's like to be able to drop yourself into a city that's not your own and basically raise the vibrations of the audience. They leave these people that you may never see, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one level outside of this moment. 
they go back to their lives and their lives have been altered in a positive way for it. And you're basically dropping yourself at different pinpoints in major cities or minor cities across the country and maybe the world at some point. And what you have, dance in the world, yeah. all over the world. What is, when you talk, when you talk about living your passion and you know that you're doing this, mm-hmm. um, when you, how does that help you stay present? Like in the moment here, you know, I'm, I'm doing this at this moment. I, I can feel the audience's pull. You know, we talk about the audience leaving and, and what, how, what do you leave with that? You're saying like, if you, you know, you drained or, mm-hmm. but as far as the, to me, it would seem like you're drained because you can't get any higher at that moment mm-hmm. in time. And I think staying present for me is a, it's just a constant life struggle. Especially as artists, you know, it's always like, well, I want to do this project. It's amazing and like devote everything to it. And that project might last like two weeks. You know, in New York, okay, after two weeks, like, what are you going to do? And how are you going to make money? And how are you going to live? Um, I'm just beyond blessed and lucky to be at this point where what I do for a living in terms of art and impacting lives is my living. Mm-hmm. Um, but staying present in that is really hard for me personally. Um, so uprooting and going from city to city works for me. I love being a gypsy. I love traveling around like that. Um, beyond art, I just think that I'm here to just inspire people in okay. whatever way that is. Yeah. Um, and if that means, you know, four weeks in Chicago with people that I may never see again, yeah, I want them to leave and go home and, you know, talk to their kids and their husbands and their wives about what they saw and how it changed them. I don't need to know about it. No. I just want to know that it's a possibility that, that they could be doing that. Yeah. Um, but feeling completely drained at the end of that, like, I'd much rather, I'd much rather feel drained myself than be like, I feel great. That <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Then, then what's, what's the point of, of the performing arts? What's the point of living if it's not, like, to the end yeah. of that candle? Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's not a drained, at least... This is how I would feel. It's not a depressed drain. It's like no. a laughingly sighing like a to cr- yourself yeah. drain. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like a, a life orgasm. Yeah, yeah. Like you get off stage, you know, or you're in the dressing room, and you get back to your apartment, and you're like, "That was that was so awesome." <laughs> oh god, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like a depressive like, "Oh, I put everything out there. Yeah. I can't right. go with life." No, right, it's, right. it's this weird like high of like I put everything out there I put everything out there like let's yeah. get yourself back to here yeah yeah and then let's do it again tomorrow yeah absolutely. why not yeah for somebody who says they struggle staying present that's a pretty present <laughs> that is very present <laughs> right, maybe it's maybe I can yeah. like, check that off my yeah list of things I've recently learned from someone that you have to be gentle with yourself uh. And that's a good way to stay present. That, uh, that someone was me. Okay. Just oh, saying. Yeah. Someone, um, <laughs> Margie Gillis is this, like, yeah, okay. I don't know if you're religious at all, but you know how some people are like, whatever power you have, like, just have an image of whoever he or she is or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's Margie Gillis to me. I'm like, she's like my higher power. She's this <laughs> brilliant performance artist from Montreal. Just like. The prime example of, like, gives everything, but knows how to be gentle with herself. Um, and in the process has lived 
and continues to live this phenomenal, just like artistically filled, passionate life. Like just, I don't know how she did it, but love to go like that. Yeah. Um, and she was in town last week and she came to a rehearsal I had with Adam and like, first did, of all, did you know that she was going to come? Well, she's kind of been mentoring Adam a bit on this okay. project. But he didn't tell me until that Did day, but like, she might show up, and I was like, ah! <laughs> keep it together, she's like, yes, you're fine, you're fine, you know? <laughs> um, and after rehearsal, she said something, I was like, bye, Marie, you know, like, stay warm, and she just, like, stopped, and she was like, stay warm, you know what, like, that's amazing, keep your heart warm, keep yourself warm, stay warm, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> you know, but, like, those little things, like, yeah, you're right, yeah. like, yeah. You power through and power through and power through and at some point like everything comes from here as an artist. Like how are you not keeping your own heart warm? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I got more ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm not gonna freak out right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, thanks. You too. <laughs> yeah, keep your heart warm. Cool. Yeah. I mean Yeah, so one of the things that we want to promote with the wall breakers is and you've done a great job of it without me specifically asking you this. We want these to be very actionable. We want people to relate their experiences, but in a way that somebody who's not a dancer or somebody who does something else can look at it and go, oh, okay, you know, you as a child did a lot of experimenting and you found your niche. That's a great way to figure out who you are. You know, mm -hmm. you have to get out there and do mm -hmm. things. But as far as conquering a fear of vulnerability or, you know, to the point where fear can keep you in a closet. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice would you give someone who might be butting up against that wall and they're not sure how to break through at this moment? Like, what, what would you tell somebody? You're always going to be afraid of something. Okay. You're always going to be afraid of something. So, if you just break through that wall, there's still going to be something on the other side of the wall that you're going to be scared of. And the other side of that wall. And that wall. And that wall. Like, mm -hmm. just do it. Literally, just do it. I auditioned for Sleep No More three times. Three different times. And I got to different points every single time. And wow. every single time, I was like, I'm not going back again. Like, screw them, like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I went back again and got cut. And I was just like, can someone just tell me, you know? Yeah. And when I went the third time, my friend was there with me. He got a call, like, the next day. He, like, texted me. He was like, did you hear from them? Whatever. I did. I'm in. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I didn't. Oh. Fine. I'll stay in this office job. You know, like, whatever. Like, maybe this is maybe this is just not it. I'm done. Like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, and I very well write that in there. I could have just, like, written it off. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm scared to get rejected again. In any capacity. Like, I'm making money in this office job. Why don't I just not do this? You know, like, mm -hmm. I can paint on the side. I'm still an artist. And I remember going to a yoga class, class that night and just being like, all right, you just need to, like, get out of your head for a second. And as I was going into the class, I got an email, like, we'd like to offer you a contractual agreement, please come in. And I was just sitting there and I was like, this, there was a space there for something that needed to be filled. And if I was afraid to enter myself in that space, something else would not have met me. And what met me was that show. And if I wouldn't have stepped into that clearing, like, I don't know, I would probably still be in my yeah. own show. So... So, it's about like creating the space for it to appear. Yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm a. I'm a firm believer of kind of like we were saying earlier. When you try to make things happen and make things fit, it's they more often than not don't fit. They don't work out. 
So if you kind of decide what you want and where you want to go in your life, like if you're trying to make things just fit in your life, then and and they're not working, like can you imagine what would be able to what would be able to fit in your life if you just like cleared that space? No, but you were saying about like staying present. Yeah, you know, recently I got a bit of advice that somebody told me that if I continued to think about the past at all, you'd never build a future because you'd always be living in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's like you know those quotes that you always read when you're younger. And you're like, oh, yes, and my dreams, past and present, and then you get to a point in your life where you're like, I'm not even yeah living in this moment because what I'm putting in that space that's there is things that happened yesterday or last week or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah, yeah. I'm actually living in the really living in the past because I'm putting it in my yeah, present. Yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. Gotta cut those cords. Gotta yeah. cut those cords. Leave yeah. it there, man. Yeah, exactly. No I've point. definitely I've definitely noticed that with like relationships too, or like for example, I've gone on a couple dates and I've noticed that this person, the way they treat me is is in relation to how they treated someone in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's like in a way they're like robbing this potential situation in the present mm -hmm. by living in that in that past relationship that's yeah that's it's interesting i mean getting into relationships with other people whether they're just like platonic or intimate relationships going in as a baseline of just you mm -hmm. and actually listening to what someone has to say and yeah. like engaging with them and not your idea of them exactly yeah in, like, you know uh, intentions with no expectations yeah Shout out to Edward. Edward, if you're listening, thanks, buddy. Edward, but hey. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and like that's half the reason why relationships are so much work because like you get at least this is just my opinion. You get into a relationship with not only that person but their ex person. And yeah. You kind yes. of have to be like, okay, where are you? Yeah. Where are you? And while you're doing that, like you're realizing, okay, like this is me. Mm -hmm. This is while well, I'm stripping off of him or her, like their last person, I'm also getting rid of mine. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. But if that other person isn't willing to, like, shed that shell, like... Yeah. There's no yeah. They're dating you or going on a date with you, like... The idea of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or not even the idea of you, the idea of that position and title, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even really you. And I mean, talk about... What should be. Talk about vulnerability. Like, you know, what if you, you start going out and meeting someone, like... What if you were like, I am open, I am ready, let's do this. I have, I have a clearing, I want you in it. And they're just like, no. no. That's scary. Like, that's that's scary. fear, that's vulnerability. It you know? is. But if you don't just do it, you'll never know. Exactly, yeah. But I think if you're living in the present and you're comfortable with who you are, you can start to see the other perspectives. It's almost like a form of being telekinetic in that regard. Mm -hmm. Because when somebody turns you down... I don't think your reaction is immediately like, oh, but, but, yeah. <laughs> it was something that I did that caused this. You look at it and you go, oh, well, he, you know, he's six months removed from a nine-year relationship. Right. You know, he's not over that, oh, you know, he's been working 60-hour weeks, blah, blah, He doesn't have headspace. You know, you start to make those proper allowances for right. other people. And it's not, 
It's not like excuses no, for it, why it didn't work out yeah. for you. It's what you said earlier about performing. It's not the you show anymore. Right. It's, it's about, about everybody else. Everybody right. else. And your, right. and your relationship yeah. to them. Right. The context. Right. Be and like water. Maybe it... Bruce hey. Lee, hey! And maybe, maybe that's what it is when you said, like, staying present. Mm -hmm. I think more so in terms of... Art has always been, like, my safe space. It's easier for me to stay present in my art space. They, art can't dump you. Art can't break up with you. You know what I mean? Art will never leave me. No. Until I'm old and dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but staying present in a relationship, like, all of those are, vulnerabilities are so there. And mm. so present. And it's, it's much easier for me to be like, oh, well, it didn't work out. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. You know? In that space. And then be able to go into, like, the studio and be, like, this powerhouse. Like, why are they different? They're not. I'm the no. same person. It's how I view that other person. And that's how mm. he views me. Yeah. That makes the difference. And I think also finding your passions for a career, because we have to work, like you're saying, in life. Um, my main goal in life, what I do, is that I don't want to work. I just want to live. Mm. And that's just a part right. of who I am, you know? So to me, that's by being honest and having your best intentions always, then you can just be you, and then everything will develop like it's supposed to. Sometimes I wonder, like, do normal people, like non-artists, like, think like us? Do you know what I, I mean? I wonder about that, too. I'm like, do you really enjoy that really boring, I know, dull, like, can't we all just live? Job? Like, wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah. Yeah. really exciting <laughs> office job. <laughs> that makes awesome. so much money. Yeah, we are not judging you at all. <laughs> no judgments. No, but um, you know what I mean? Like, if everyone could just be like, I just want to live. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe I might make going to that office job easier, because it's just like, this is yeah. letting me live. Because guess yeah. what? I'm taking a two-week vacation. You know what I mean? <laughs> But so many people just work and work and work to maybe someday possibly take that two-week vacation. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. They don't realize uh, that they've just given their whole yeah. life away. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I truly believe that everyone has, like, a gift, you know? And and in a way, if you're not exploiting or, or cultivating or understanding it, it's like you're almost, I don't know, this is maybe very one-sided, but I feel like you're just not living a full and, like, rich no impactful life not for not only for yourself but like for everyone for at large yeah. Yeah. yeah you're being a zombie yeah like, zombies eat people can you but can you imagine they if do like, eat people this is true um can you imagine if like every person just decided to live their life how many more people they would impact yeah and they would yes. impact and, like yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think that's like the Garden of Eden, essentially. It's crazy. Yeah. And like we could live in it. Yeah. We, we could. totally could. All we yeah. have to do is be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like when I actually realized that like I think my my gift or so you'd say, or like my, my purpose to be here outside of art, or maybe it's through art, is just to inspire others mm -hmm. in whatever way possible. Whether it's having a conversation with the guy at Whole Foods who's like my cashier and has like, you know, like an awesome smile, like that, that's that's something that's inspiring, mm -hmm. you know, when you realize, like, truly and authentically why you're here, I, I feel like that will make your clearing. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, anything you want to close with? Um, come see Belladonna. 
Uh, 92nd Street Y. 92nd Street Y is the end of February, um, the 20th through the 22nd. How can people get tickets? Um, you can go to 92ndstreety.com. You can go to adambarrick.com. Um, yeah, and see everything else we have coming up. I mean, besides that, this was like an amazing way to spend my afternoon. I would like do this every week. You should like do this every week. We, we should. It's a group therapy yeah. session. Yeah, it's just like a like nice little, like, Yeah. I'm a fan. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Like to close, um, uh, or I <laughs> you close. So this has been the first installment of our mentor series. This will be February two thousand and fifteen with Chelsea Panoski. I want to thank Chelsea for being so incredibly open and honest about your own fears and and your struggles and your successes in life. I hope that people who have been watching or listening can relate to them. And if you have any questions or comments that we could direct to Chelsea, perhaps, you know, email Lena or myself at hello at thewallbreakers.com. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, what'd you think of that first mentor interview with Miss Chelsea Bonoski? I want to thank her for giving us her valuable time. You guys can see something immediately happening with this interview, and that is Lena and I very strongly feel that we all you, myself, her, everybody in the world, we are genuinely part of a collective consciousness that when we raise each other up to new levels, we all feel good and we all can go do amazing things together. And one of the most important things that you need to be able to do that, to break free from those past self-esteem insecurity issues that you might have developed on a playground somewhere getting picked on or... Uh, you know, from your parents, ho hopefully not, or wherever that may be, but you need to be willing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. Chelsea, in doing so, was able to advance her career and her passions in life, which are really just one thing, if you think about it, ideally, to whole new levels. And as she said, there was a clearing there that she made for herself that wouldn't have been able to have been possible had she not been willing to take that chance. And life really is generally about risk versus reward. Yes, when you take risks, sometimes you're going to fall. But when you fall, you usually pick yourself back up. And that's a line from Batman Begins, but it's the truth. We do fall to learn to pick ourselves back up. So I hope that you guys will enjoy the kinds of topics that we bring forward to you each month on The Wall Breakers. And we'll never reveal the new topic to you until the new month. So as you know... This month's topic and all the content that we publish on The Wall Breakers this month will be centered around vulnerability and facing that, those vulnerabilities that you might have. If you go to thewallbreakers.com right now, you'll see the video for this interview. You'll see previews to some of the things that are going to come this week and this month on The Wall Breakers. Things like a wall breaking initiative that Lena and I are going to go out and do each week and then present to you, the community. We're going to have skill-building thoughts from the members of the community when they write in with their own op-eds. We're going to continue these discussion-based podcast episodes. And we're always going to try to have some self-reflective words from Lena and myself. Something that I have always harped on in running The Wall Breakers is that I am doing this for me, but I'm not just doing this for me. That would be pointless. I don't want to be selfish with any of this. I want to be more of a conduit that gets the end result out of it instead of creates the end result. We all create. And we are all much more creative than we sometimes realize. So I hope you enjoyed these positive words from me this week, wherever you may be listening right now. And if you haven't subscribed 
to this podcast on iTunes, please subscribe. It costs nothing. You get these podcasts automatically downloaded to any of your devices when they drop twice a month. You'll also then be able to review and rate, and we ask you to please do that and tell us honestly what you think about this podcast. The more that you rate and review this podcast, the better it will be served on iTunes itself, and the more people will see our message. And our message is hopefully our message, all of us, this collective consciousness. And you guys who are new, and you guys who are old and returning, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to get out there in this world, look around you at the sunset, through the trees, look up at the tall buildings or the lakes or whatever surroundings are near you, look at the people, look up, look out, see what's there. Don't look in. Looking in only furthers those insecurities. Look out, breathe. Anything is possible. We are much more creative than we think. Keep getting out there, guys. Keep breaking those walls. You know who I am. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls Season 2, Episode 1. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.